The writer to the Hebrews reminds us today, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Amen. My dear Christian friends, I pulled out our family's tent this week for our camping trip with Water of Life at the Camp Oak Ridge in Palmyra, Wisconsin. And we pulled it out because this was a tent that was given to Shelly and myself 28 years ago as a wedding gift. And we haven't used it very much recently. And so Shelly and I set it up and let it air out, get the mustiness out. I washed it all down and then packed it back up again. And I was out at the campground from Thursday afternoon through last night. And it was great weather for camping. Just a little cool. There was a little wind. We had a little bit of rain one day. But if you've ever gone camping, you know how quickly things can go badly. That it can have wind and rain. It can be too hot or too cold. There can be too many mosquitoes or bears eating your food. And then you're quickly excited to go back to your permanent home, a permanent home where you have air conditioning and a furnace, where you have indoor plumbing. It's a place where you have walls and windows to keep out the wind and the rain, the heat and the cold, the mosquitoes and the bears. Well, the writer to the Hebrews today is talking about tenting. He is reminding you that everything in this world is temporary. What we have that's permanent is the city that God has built for us. The writer teaches us this lesson by talking about Abraham. Out of all of the people in the world, God had chosen Abraham. And God spoke to Abraham, and he told him to move from Haran down to Canaan. And back then, people didn't travel around like we do today, so he is moving Abraham to a place that he had probably never seen before. So Abraham packs up his U-Hauls and he moves. At the age of 70, 400 miles down to Canaan, Abraham would receive Canaan as an inheritance. It was a place where he would never own land. He remained a foreigner and a stranger in that promised land. There, Abraham lived like his son and his grandson after him in tents. But God blessed Abraham richly. He had a wife and servants like Eliezer, like we heard about in our first lesson. He had all kinds of flocks and herds. But the one thing he did not have was children. There, Abraham would have to wait another 30 years. When the writer says that Sarah was barren and Abraham was as good as dead, then God finally blessed Sarah at the age of 90 and Abraham at the age of 100 with their son Isaac. And through that son Isaac, God blessed them with Children as numerous as the stars in the sky and as numerous as the sand on the seashore. You, as Christians, are descendants of Abraham. You are part of those stars in the sky. The greatest of Abraham's descendants was Jesus, the Son of God and Son of Mary, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. The writer reminds us, by faith, 
Abraham lived as a stranger in the promised land, as if it did not belong to him, dwelling in tents along with Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. The writer is encouraging us to remember that we are just tenting here. Heaven is our real home. Everything we have, everything we work so hard for in this life is only temporary. We have a greater and permanent inheritance that is waiting for us in heaven. And the gospel lesson that is paired with this epistle lesson fits perfectly. It is a good reminder that we are only tenting here with the saints on earth. Jesus teaches his disciples of all ages, stop worrying about your life, about what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Certainly, life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Instead, continue to seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So friends, what are you worried about right now? You're probably worried about the rising food and gas prices or maybe... The supply chain issues, and so you see so many empty shelves in the stores. You could be worried about the economy and inflation, your stock market and your retirement portfolio. You could be concerned about your age and your health. There's a lot to wor be worried about, to be anxious about, to be frustrated about. And we become Worried and anxious and frustrated when we believe that our homes, our jobs, our income, our retirement portfolio, even our health and bodies are permanent. We believe that this life is all we're working toward. We believe that we're holding on to these things, that something will last. We are holding on to these things too tightly. And that's why Jesus is teaching us to repent. To repent of our worry and anxiousness and frustration. And the writer is teaching us the same thing by teaching us the lesson of Abraham. Everything we own, everything we have, everything that we are striving for, everything that we are holding on so tightly, it's just temporary. That everything that we hold dear to us it's eventually going to be burned up on the last day. And even before that, everything we have can go like that in a moment because of wind or rain or heat or fire or even a plague of mosquitoes or bears. So let us be like the saints who have gone before us, of whom the writer says, one by one, all of these died in faith without having received the things that were promised. But they saw and welcomed them from a distance. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Indeed, people who say things like that make it clear that they are looking for a land on, of their own. And so we are tenting here on earth with our fellow saints. Just like Jesus, the Son of God, tented among us. St. John tells us in the beginning of his gospel, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. We have seen his glory, the glory he has as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That word translated dwelled is in Greek that John uses, really means tent. It is the same word that the writer uses in Hebrew saying that 
Abraham dwelt in tents. John is saying that the Son of God tented here on earth with his incarnation. That's a fancy church word that we'll confess in the Apostles' Creed in a few moments, saying that God came and dwelt among us in human flesh and blood. So here we have the Son of God, the King of the universe, sitting at God the Father's right hand in his permanent home in heaven. And he gives it all up to come and tent here on earth for 33 years that he came to be a foreigner and a pilgrim on the earth that he had created. Jesus tented among us, living perfectly in our place so that he could give us righteousness because we have no righteousness of our own. Jesus tented so that he could suffer and die to pay for our sins on the cross and earn a one-way ticket to that city of God in heaven. Jesus tented among us so that after his death, he could rise from the dead on the third day to give us the assurance of eternal life, to be able to go to that eternal life after this life is over. Jesus then, on the 40th day after his resurrection, ascended back into heaven to God the Father's right hand to rule all things for our good, and to prepare us to go to this city, the city that is called Jerusalem the Golden. Here in Racine, we have the Root River flowing through the middle of the city. But in heaven, Jerusalem the Golden has the river of life flowing through it. Out camping at Camp Oak Ridge, out by the Kennel Moraine Forest, there's countless trees but in Jerusalem, the golden, there's at least one tree. It's the tree of life, transplanted symbolically from the Garden of Eden on either side of, this, of the river of life. And there's God's saints. Revelation says you'll be able to eat from this tree of life, to eat its fruit, and then you'll never suffer or be sick or have disease or die. And there in heaven... You won't have to worry about what you're going to wear because you get to wear the white robe of a saint. That white robe of righteousness that some of us symbolically wore as infants at our baptism. And now we get to wear that baptismal gown for the rest of our lives. And as citizens of Jerusalem the Golden, you're going, you don't have to worry about locking the gate like you do at night at Camp Oak Ridge or locking your doors in your home to keep out enemies and bad guys because all of those enemies and bad guys are forever locked out and they can't ever get into heaven. So the gates of Jerusalem are open. You don't have to worry about what you will eat or about what you will wear about your bodies because Jesus says that you are invited to his banquet feast. He is the host. You are his honored guest. And when we have this faith, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and like their countless descendants of saints, then this verse can be applied to us. By faith they lived as strangers in a world that did not belong to them, dwelling in tents along with Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with Abraham of the same promise. For they were looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And then the writer ends this section of this epistle 
with this powerful statement. Instead, they were longing for a better land, a heavenly one. For that reason, God is not ashamed to be called their God because he prepared a city for them. How awesome is that? God is not ashamed to be called their God. But I want you to think about that. God has every reason to be ashamed of us, doesn't he? God created Adam and Eve to be his special creatures. And what was one of the first things they did? They went and hung out with Satan at the tree. They were tempted and fell into sin. You and I in our mother's wombs were created to be in God's image with a soul, but we were sadly also created with Adam's image, his sinful nature, hanging out with the devil. So that when we were born... God then gave us that gift of infant baptism, making us his own, making us his children through the waters of baptism. And what do we do? With our sinful nature, we go off and listen to the devil and hang out with him. God loves us so much, he calls us back to him with repentance. We confess our sins. We receive his grace and mercy and the words of forgiveness. And what do we do? We fall back into temptation. We forget about our confession of faith. We abuse God's mercy and grace and forgiveness and go out and hang out with the devil. We have the Son of God warning us about the dangers of worry and anxiety and frustration, saying, do not constantly chase after what you will eat or what you will drink. Do not be worried about it. To be sure, the nations of the world chase after all these things. But your father knows you need them. Instead, continue to seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. The Son of God tells us this and what do we do? We worry, we become anxious, we become frustrated, we chase after all of these things and we do not seek God's kingdom. God has every right to be ashamed of us, doesn't he? And yet he's not. And why not? It's because he sent his son Jesus to tent among us. He reminds us that we are tenting here. Heaven is our real home. A real home that Jesus paid for us with his perfect life, innocent and atoning death, and his resurrection from the grave. Jesus warns us, encourages us, leads us to repentance, forgives our sins of worry, anxiety, and chasing after earthly and temporary things. All so that he can give us something permanent. A place like we sang about in our hymn of the day that has a firm foundation. We are called to go to a place that we are going to receive as an inheritance. That means that we are convinced of that place, though we haven't seen it yet. And when we have that kind of faith, a faith that believes that we are tenting here on earth, a faith that doesn't just believe it, but acts like we are tenting here on earth, then this verse can be spoken of us. Instead, they were longing for a better land, a heavenly one. For that reason, God is not ashamed to be called their God because he has prepared a city for them. Amen.